y'all. It's time for another episode of Rolling Dice and Taking Names. I'm sorry. What is this? We'll, we'll just tell them that our boys, Adam and Travis, joined us for the whole episode to review Pathfinder 2.0, where we compared against 1.0, D&D 5th edition, and then give our final thoughts. I don't understand a word you just said. Hello, and welcome to a special edition of Rolling Dice and Taking Names. This is episode 176, Tumbling Dice, and today, my co-host are my sons, Adam and Travis. How's it going? Hello. Because we're going to be doing an in-depth discussion of the brand new edition of Pathfinder from Paizo. That's Pathfinder 2nd Edition. And who better than to talk about RPGs than the people with the most experience in this house? Because we counted this up before you guys came on. Combined, you have 18 years of RPG experience. And a lot of that is in Pathfinder. Our RPG experience is legal. Well, I guess it depends because 21 is legal in some places. What kind of legal are you talking about? You can buy tobacco products. You could be drafted. Our RPG experience could be drafted. So this brand new version has been in beta for, I don't know, Travis, has it been a year? Has it been a year since I picked up that beta version of you or the... I have had the playtest rules since around August of last year, I'm pretty sure. And I think it, it was actually a Gen Con that came out, and that's when I picked it up for you. So it's been one year in testing, and I guess you guys probably follow on some of the forums and Reddit, but it seems like that through this year of testing, Paizo has been very receptive to a bunch of ideas and suggestions over the past year. From what I've seen, Paizo has been really interested in what players had to say about the playtest and have made a lot of changes that people have wanted to see from the playtest to second edition. It's coming out uh, officially August 1st, and uh, it seems like that they're Travis, it looks like there has been a lot of changes from the playtest rules to now. I know the player creation sheet looks totally different. There were changes between playtest and second edition. So if you have playtest, it is worth it to pick up second edition. So I think it's really good when a company puts something out there and they listen to feedback and they want to make the best product possible. But before we dive into second edition, second edition, people may be wondering, so they may have heard of Pathfinder. Maybe they have heard of the company Paizo. But what exactly is the history of the company? How long has Pathfinder been around? And has Paizo always done Pathfinder? Were there anything before that? Paizo originally helped produce several magazines for Dungeons & Dragons. And it was not until around 2008, around when 3.5 was phasing out, that Paizo decided that they were going to make Pathfinder as a sort of continuation of the 3.5 edition rules for Dungeons and Dragons. So it was 2008 when the first edition was released of Pathfinder? It was when it was announced that it would be launched. So then the first edition is about uh, 10, 11 years old. So why do you think there was the desire in order to keep the 3.5 edition of D&D going? Was it just because there was such a huge fan base for 3.5 and they didn't want to shift to fourth edition of D&D? Well, it all comes down to preference. D&D 4th edition was a bit of a departure from the 3.5 rules. People really enjoyed playing those 3.5 rules. When Pathfinder 1 came out, it was clear that people had a preference for those rules, or many people had a preference for those rules, because it wasn't very long before you were going to Gen Con and seeing whole halls filled up with Pathfinder games, not just D&D. And in fact, um, over those years when D&D 4th edition was out, uh, you could go to a website, I, I frequent a lot called ICV2, where they show the quarterly sales for RPG products. Pathfinder was always number one quarter after quarter after quarter. So there was a big 
audience out there for uh, Pathfinder, even more so than D&D. And people might be shocked to hear that now because D&D 5 is so popular. Mm. But back then, Pathfinder ruled king. In the greater role-playing game community, Pathfinder is still the largest competitor for D&D. I mean, it's sure. it's D&D rules functionally. It, it's the exact same fantasy race as cl- the classic D&D experience. But now we've got to 5th edition and now Pathfinder 2nd edition, and they've kind of diverged a little more, but it's still D&D's main competitor. And for a while, it it was beaten D&D. Like in, it was. In the, uh, in the uh, hobby or in the community, people were playing Pathfinder more than they were playing D&D. Even in our local scene, when uh, uh, during this time, a lot of our local game stores opened up, and they didn't really have D&D nights. It was Pathfinder nights. That's what we saw people seeing. It really wasn't until 5th edition came out of D&D that people started looking at D&D again. And so now it makes me wonder, though, is, is because D&D 5th edition came out and now D&D rules number is now outselling, according to ECV2, over the past few quarters, that I wonder if Paizo said, you know what, then maybe we need to go back to our edition and tweak it. And we'll get into this, too, to see, did they bring in any of the elements from D&D 5 and into the second edition? But I wonder if they decided, okay, maybe now it's a good business decision for us to reintroduce Pathfinder with the second edition. And it, it was a logical time to do it, right? So D&D 5th edition comes out. It only makes sense that they like kind of refocus and retool what they already have. But I don't think Paizo is sweating with the whole D&D resurgency. There's such a strong fan base for Pathfinder, a strong customer base. They, they could take their time with this. And I mean, they took a year to test these rules because they knew that if they took their time on it and they listened to people and they put out a product they were proud of, people were still going to buy it. And I'm not going to be shocked if a year from now this is outselling D&D again. <laughs> I personally, I, I would be shocked. That's not going to happen, I don't think, no. Well, I can stay negative. No, no, no. No, it's not, it's not negative. I just think that... Uh, I think you're understating D&D's current incredibly massive popularity and people wanting to stick with the brand that they know and not want to branch out to a different game. I think the key word is currently. Like, yeah. I, I mean, D&D is popular again, and it will be popular for a long time to come. But it's, it, I mean, it, it it comes with all these pop culture zeitgeist things. Like, who knows how long it's going to stay in the public eye and if it's going to regress again, if it's going to keep getting more popular. We just don't know. And who I'm, knows? In season four of Stranger Things, the guys might be playing Pathfinder instead of D&D. Actually, that uh, wouldn't make any yeah, sense because no, it was not the 80s. We could have a 30-year time skip. <laughs> a massive time skip. They got, they, they travel to the future and they're introduced to pathfinder there I don't you go. Know. who knows <laughs> so anyway and and here's the thing is even if it never passes D, that's fine because D has created a brand new community of role players that we didn't have before so many people are now into role-playing games that they're more likely it's, it's good for everybody it's good for all the rpg makers that's just a bigger audience for people to take a, a chance on and travis you and your friends do not stick with one system you play a lot of different systems when you game well the thing is we each have our own favorite systems so we each run our favorite system and enjoy playing what the others run, if that makes sense. Yeah. And just out of curiosity, what are the other systems that you guys play? Uh, my friend Jack is really into Call of Cthulhu, and my friend Matthew is really into Delta Green. But you've also done 5th edition D&D, right? Yes. We also did 5th edition during during sort of, I think it was uh, last year, none of my friends really played Pathfinder, so I ran a D&D 5th edition campaign, but now I am 
currently running a Pathfinder campaign for my friends. And it happens to be the latest edition. You were playing with the, the playtest rules of the beta rules, and now you just recently shifted and have played with the brand new edition. Yep. We, for the first few sessions, were playing with the playtest rules, but we sort of just converted the characters that they're currently using to the second edition rules, and now we are playing with the second edition. I think just at the end of the day, more variety in RPGs is better. Sure. Right. So even if you have settings that are similar, like Pathfinder and D&D, more sets of rules and more ways of looking at the rules are better than just uh, a single one. It, it's going to be more healthy for all the game, the players, and even the companies to a degree. I mean, competition's healthy. And one could even argue that the issues people saw with D&D 4 were because they didn't feel like they had a true competitor and they could just kind of lays about with D&D for a while. You're you're saying that wizards may have been caught off guard. It's like, well, we kind of do what we want to do. And all of a sudden, Paizo rises up and goes, yeah, guess what? We have an alternative. I don't think they were expecting, yeah, this little publishing company to all of a sudden create a system that's outselling them. So it kind of lit a a fire under them to get D&D 5th edition going. And it is much, much better than D&D 4th. Like, I like 5th edition. Mm -hmm. I really do. Um, but I always think more is better and more variety is better. Of course. And it is as though D&D 4 led to Pathfinder, Pathfinder's competition led to D&D 5th edition, and then now D&D 5th edition did influence, or I'm assuming influenced Paizo's decision to release Pathfinder 2nd edition. Mm-hmm. So I, I agree with what Adam said earlier about Pathfinder being D&D's main competition. But but they, even though they're competitors, I think they they make each other stronger. The real winner here is us, yeah, right? Because, that's it. Thank you. Because Adam. Yeah. with the ping pong back and forth, we are the ones getting the better RPG books. We're the ones playing the better systems. We're the ones experiencing this like re flourishing of role playing games, and uh, we're enjoying it. Yeah, like that's that's what it comes down to. We're enjoying it. So this episode is going to be broken up into several segments, and I can go ahead and uh, let everybody know that's that's listening. It's going to be broken up into this. Our first segment we're going to dive into after a little commercial break is we're going to compare first edition and second edition of Pathfinder. So if you've played Pathfinder first edition, we'll hit some of the uh, highlights of some of the changes and comparisons between those two. Next, we're going to compare and contrast D and D fifth edition to Pathfinder second edition. Are there any similarities? And then finally, in our conclusion, all of us are going to give some suggestions. If you're new to RPGs, does Pathfinder make sense for you? Is it more D&D? Is it something else? If you're already playing RPGs, what some other recommendations uh, recommendations we can make uh, for you concerning uh, Pathfinder 2nd Edition? So with our plans laid out, let's go ahead and get into it. So you want to play an RPG, and maybe you want to be the game master, but you aren't sure how to do it. Well, then what you need is the brand new book from Ignacy from Portal Games, Play Smart. This was a book he had written years ago, and for the first time ever, it's been translated to English, where he gives tips and tricks for how to be the best GM for your role-playing group. You can get that now at portalgamesus.com or at your local stores. Now it's time to look at the differences and comparisons between Pathfinder 1st Edition and 2nd Edition. And as we're recording in our basement and I look over to my right and I see a bookshelf full of RPGs, there is one entire section with nothing but Pathfinder books. There were a lot of Pathfinder books released for 1st Edition. A lot of source books were released in order to expand upon Pathfinder's core rules. The biggest, biggest draw of Pathfinder 
for me and a lot of players is the sheer number of options you have for your character. Just each of these books adds more archetypes for classes, more spells, more feats, equipment rules, just all sorts of different variations on gameplay. This is what I loved the most about Pathfinder First Edition. I love literature Mm -hmm. and I love looking at this shelf and seeing all those books because it means that's inspiration for campaigns, it's ideas for characters, it's special rules to take advantage of and to use. And I love that they did that. They clearly had people working on this game constantly trying to come up with new ideas and new rules and new things to play with. And I really appreciate that. So do you think every book has value and it wasn't just like, well, we need to make some money, so let's release a new book. Of all of the hardcover Pathfinder supplements that I have, I have enjoyed every single one of them. I personally, just glancing over there, there's only a couple I haven't used mm-hmm. in terms of like I, I, where I've got inspiration and rules from, for sure. So now, if those who've been playing Pathfinder First Edition are like you guys and you invested all these books, all of a sudden, all these books are worthless in Second Edition. Does that bother you? Nope, <laughs> because they're not worthless. Because I, there are books over there where, yeah, they've got rules and those rules are only compatible with First Edition. But like, take for example, you've got the Horror Adventures book. Everything I used from that book, aside from the actual archetypes that I was using for characters and NPCs, was not rules. It was just suggestions and ideas, ways of playing the game that I didn't think about before. And that's still 100% applicable with Pathfinder 2nd Edition. Uh, Travis and I are two sides of the Game Master's coin here. Travis is definitely more of a numerical, kind of crunchy guy. He loves getting into the nitty-gritty of the rules and stuff. And I'm more of a narrative kind of fluffy guy. I like make, creating the story and putting the characters in it. And I like the narrative aspect of it. And Pathfinder really hits both sides of those coins. But you can really still use those first edition books for inspiration, for ideas. And I still look at them knowing that I'm going to find something that I'd like to use with Pathfinder 2nd Edition. So basically you're saying that when you start seeing these first edition books go on sale when 2nd Edition is released, it's even as 2nd Edition players might be worth picking up some of these just for inspiration for campaigns and characters and stuff. Some definitely more than others. Uh, there are some books that are really just kind of rule supplements that might not be as useful. Such as Ultimate Combat. And then others which are way more fluffy and inspiration-based that are definitely going to be more useful. Such as Horror Adventures. <laughs> there you go. So let's get into some, some of the comparisons here. So just to start out, Pathfinder is based off Dungeons & Dragons in that a lot of the mechanics of the game are similar. So when you have a skill check, you're going to roll a d20, you add your your skill attribute to it, and then it'll compare against whatever number the, the GM's looking for. When you go into combat, there is some stats you have for your weapons, and you have your seven, seven set of dice that you can use, d4s, d6s, d8s, and each of those is attached to, to a weapon, and you roll to see if you successfully attack, and then you, if you do, you deal damage. All that is pretty much across the board, the same between D&D, 1st and 2nd edition Pathfinder, right? Yeah, I mean, and it's a whole genre of RPG rules in itself, the D20 system. The D20 system, yeah. So so that, so that we're just going to skip right over that. If you know the D20 system, that's what this is. And, and, if, and if you don't, well, I just kind of gave you a quick synopsis of what it is. So that hasn't changed between 1st and 2nd edition, correct? Correct. It's, it's the same. You're not going to be unfamiliar with. In essence, the game is just roll your d20, add the number on your character sheet, and see if you get at or higher than the number that the GM came up with. In essence, that's what the game is. All right. I'm sitting at a table with two 
computer scientists and computer engineers here. So I, I, I might correct me if I'm wrong because I, I'm but a biology student. So I, I might a graduate, not this, but a graduate, I'm a graduate. Um, <laughs> but to me, it seems like Pathfinder second edition has kept the front end of the rules and changed the back end. Would you consider that to be accurate? The way you get the numbers is different, but how you use the numbers is the same. Oh, I see oh, what you're saying. Yes, definitely. The numbers are all used the same. Like the numbers are essentially the same numbers, but how you get these numbers and their specific uses are slightly different, but these are the same numbers from Pathfinder 1. These are numbers very similar to Dungeons and Dragons, and they're used in the same way as they have been, but it is how you get the numbers that is different. It's to the point where I would say if I were a GM and I was t- carrying a campaign through first edition and halfway through, I was like, all right, I want to, I want to change this for second edition. I could take my party's character sheets redo them for second edition, give them back, not tell them anything's changed, and they would be unlikely to find all that much of a difference. They would find difference with things like proficiency, which we'll get to later once we start talking about actual rules. But other than that, you still have hit points. You still have armor class, the same three saving throws, the same ability scores, the same, like, you know, trying to, your same uh, stat that you add to your attack to see what your bonus is, the same bonus to damage at the end there's still feats there's still spells there's still your equipment there's still all that yeah at this point i'd like to say if you have played pathfinder one at all and especially if you're a veteran you will not be intimidated by these rules you can go into these rules and learn them super easily one thing about pathfinder one is that if you towards the end or even from the middle to the end of pathfinder cycle got into pathfinder one it is extremely daunting there are a lot of rules and a lot of really obtuse rules and again we'll get to this later when talking <laughs> about the difference between pathfinder one and two but i will say that right now even if you never played pathfinder one have only played D or haven't played an rpg the pathfinder two rules are way easier to understand and get a grasp on than pathfinder one absolutely well, let's go ahead and jump into this part of the pool this deep end of the pool which uh adam i like how you brought it up about how uh, the interface of how you create the numbers is different, but the engine behind it will work the exact same way. So let's talk about this interface here. What's the difference between character creation between Pathfinder 1 and Pathfinder 2? Because when I look at the two character sheets, they look a lot different to me now. From Coming at it from a really high abstract level, you're doing the same thing. You can't see my air quotes. <laughs> you pick your race called Ancestry, you pick a background, you pick your class, you generate your ability scores, and you fill the rest of it in. You put in your class features and all that. But it is it is how you get there that's different. In Pathfinder 1, the way that you generated stats was one of two ways. You either rolled some D6s and that generated your ability scores, or you use what's called a point-by system where you uh, have a certain points and you can increase your ability score such as you know strength dexterity constitution by that amount but in pathfinder one they have they still have point by and they still have rolling for you your mean stats. Po- pathfinder two pathfinder two my, my apology pathfinder two still has point by and dice rolling but they also introduced a another way of generating stats where you know after you pick your ancestry your background and your class each of them will have different ability boosts and ability flaws 
your character will start at 10 for every stat and then the boosts and flaws will increase those by what it says in the book so if you want to play this way there's no random ability score generation oh so if you wanted to you can have your entire pathfinder 2 character creation be completely decided by you no random bits at all so it's already more easy to understand than pathfinder 1 in that case but me and my party do prefer a bit of a random element we think it adds more character to your character and the rules for rolling for the stats like we like to do it are still in the book okay so you can still do it pathfinder has always all been been about options and pathfinder 2 i feel like even more so it's just it's giving you options options to do this to that to do things the way you want to do there's like i mean for character creation for rolling for stats there's two different ways you could do it just depending on what you liked better it's all about preference you had talked about how you feel that now probably pathfinder 2 is easier to get in than than pathfinder 1 and we just talked about character creation but travis i know you had talked about how some of the spells and feats is just like have they been reduced or they're easier to understand now? Because I know that with Pathfinder 1, there was a lot out there to choose from. Feats have changed a little bit. In Pathfinder 1, there were just feats. Okay. There for, were for, for, oh, maybe oh, yeah. for somebody who don't even know what a feat is. So a feat is every few or so levels, the your character progression will say you can select a feat. And a feat would be something such as... It's pretty much a bonus that you can select for your character. Sometimes they have like a uh, prerequisite you have to meet, like such as you need 14 dexterity in order to get it. And they'll do something like if you're fighting with a weapon in either hand, you will get a bonus when you do that. So essentially there are bonuses that you can select your character to have as you level up. Just flat bonuses. Now, let's put this into perspective for y'all. Pathfinder 1 feats. How many were in the core rulebook, you think? I'm not even going to try to guess. <laughs> Hundreds. Really? That many? And that's the core rulebook. Mm-hmm. So imagine yourself with a 500, 400, 400, 500 page core rulebook, put it in front of you. Now stack another dozen 200 page source books on top. Each of those adding at least 100, maybe more feats. You had literally thousands of feats to choose from at any any time you would get a feat. It, it made character creation so easy up until you got to feats and then all of a sudden your entire party was flipping through all these books trying to decide what you just have to google you just have to google best feats for pathfinder for a certain build to to find what you wanted but in pathfinder 2 they changed things up a bit there are in the core rule book less feats i'm sure they'll add more but what they have done is they're now class specific feats so as opposed to them dumping all of these feats on you there are feats that you can take At each specific level, there's around three to five feats you can take at each different level. Every few levels will unlock more feats for you to select for your class and specifically for that class. So even though at level one, you're only going to have a couple of your class feats and ancestry feats to choose from, you will unlock four more different ones the next two levels and the more the next two levels and they build upon each other and... It's focused. Instead of it being so wide open and you can, in Pathfinder 1, where you can accidentally select a feat that doesn't do anything for your character, your class has feats for that class. They know what each class wants to do and they gave you feats that help you play your class. So even though there are currently less options, the options that you do have are better. In Pathfinder 1, you had feats that were like 
When your character enters a tavern with more than 20 people, you may take a check to drink a particular... Like, they were mad specific. Like, with these, it's actually a challenge going through them and thinking, oh, wow, like, both of these feats are real. It's it's more of a thought process to pick between the two or three feats they give you at first level for your class or ancestry or whatever than it was to sift through thousands of them for whatever you needed in Pathfinder 1. Maybe Pathfinder 1, you know, comparing to video games, was more of an open world game and some people may like that, but just Pathfinder 2 maybe puts you a little bit more on the rails and it's like, it's a little bit more on the rails, but trust me, when you get on these rails, you got some great options before you. No. Oh, okay. I don't think so. I, I feel like the customization is still there because in Pathfinder 1, it's like, once again, we'll go back to video games. It's like you can call it an open world. You can call it a lot of options, but at the end of the day, you're just going to choose which ones are best numerically, which gives you the best damage, what gives you mm-hmm. the best defense, like etc. That's how it was with Pathfinder. There were just a set dozen feats that I wound up always picking in character creation because that was just the best to take at level one. So in Pathfinder 2, you think they just got rid of all the superfluous feats and said, okay, well, we'll just focus on these because these are probably the best ones anyway? Yes. Okay. When I think they're going to add more feats, it'll be in order to differentiate the class from sort of its stereotypical focus like they'll probably add ways for a fighter to instead of focusing on a style of fighting it'll focus on a a specific weapon similar to the weapon master that was in pathfinder 1 and dnd 3.5 and they'll be able to add more flavor to the classes without sacrificing the different gameplay options but floodgates are opened when you look at the multi-classing options in Pathfinder 1 and you're able to spin some feats in order to get feats from different classes. Is there multi-classing in two? Yes. Okay. It's when you uh, get feats from other classes and different features from other classes. Mm-hmm. Instead of like take, instead of like when you level up saying, I'm going to take a level in a different class, you'll instead select a like a feature from another class. Mm-hmm. Such as you might, as a fighter, dip your toe into Rogue in order to get a sneak attack bonus. But now you don't need to do that. You need to, you know, get the feat that lets you take the sneak attack bonus from the rogue. Mm. At the at the cost of sacrificing one of your fighter class feats, you'll become a little better at being a rogue. One more thing I'd like to add about feats, because it is one of the primary differences between Pathfinder 1 and 2, would you say? Totally. Yeah. So you have ancestry feet ancestry is race by the way i'm not sure we we always call it race but they decided on so, ancestry, yeah so. so in pathfinder one was it called race no yes yes and so now here it's ancestry now it's, it's kind ancestry. of a weird change again. anyway but now you have ancestry feats skill feats general feats class feats and bonus feats so what i'm seeing looking at this and this is on the character sheet and it's actually very easy to see like you have ancestry feats for First level, fifth level, ninth level, and then special heritage feats. And then you have background feats. Like they have everything laid out for you here. It makes your combination of ancestry and class more important because instead of just a general pool of feats, you're like, okay, well, I'm an elf, so I can only take these feats for being an elf. But if it's an elf rogue, then I have this feat that I can use to pair with that. And maybe it'll make things. It makes your character much more unique because. My character, a halfling sorcerer, is going to have a totally different class set or set of feats than this half-orc barbarian. It's going to be totally different. And it's not just going to be taking the same feats from the same general pool like it was in Pathfinder 1. Is there any other things we should hit as far as character creation? Is is there any big differences between the two? Or, or, or character progression? Like, is the progression the same? Is it the same amount of XP per level now? Do, or did they change that at all? 
Yeah, I'm not going to get into things like, you know, the specific XP levels to get from right. 1 and 2. And my party doesn't even do XP. Just at certain points of the story, I'll say your characters have leveled up. In terms of progression, it's essentially the same as Pathfinder 1. You go up to the next level, you get hit points based on your character class. But it is worth noting, instead of rolling a dice, it is now just a flat number plus your constitution modifier each time you level up. And you just, there's there's a nifty chart for each of the classes and i'll say at level two these are the features you can get and so you can write those down and it'll say things like you'll get another class feat you'll get plus something to your weapon skills and it'll give you your new proficiencies there's another chart to see what spells you get it lists everything right there can't tell you how many times i've been screwed over by that rolling the dice on hit points thing whenever <laughs> i level up i made like a paladin or a fighter who had less hit points than our sorcerer just because i kept rolling terribly every time i would try and level up it was i like this rule yeah i'm just i i I really like this better now what i did notice paizo did is that the numbers like such as a barbarian will get plus 12 hit points a fighter will get plus 10 those are their hit dice from pathfinder one meaning if you wanted to roll it's still the same dice hit dice as they were called in pathfinder one if you wanted the option to roll instead of getting the flat bonus. Once again, options, preferences. That's the main theme that I've started to notice with Pathfinder here. All right. So let's go actually to the the settings, the lore and everything like that. Is it in the same world? Pathfinder 1, Pathfinder 2. Is there like time is moved from Pathfinder 1 to Pathfinder 2? I mean, what about the lore and everything? In Pathfinder, the rulebook for Pathfinder 1, there wasn't much on the world, but in this one, there's a whole section called Age of Lost Omens, which is sort of the age of the world you're playing in. And it will give you a history on different planes, different continents, different sorts of magic, the sort of people that you will meet, the nations that you'll encounter, what creatures live in areas. There's a a lot of lore for a world that the uh, people over at Paizo have written and Paizo's adventure paths, which are different uh, adventures that take place in the world, all closely follow the lore of the world. They add on to the lore and it's, I didn't know much about it. I usually uh, make my own worlds when I'm playing, but over the past few weeks, I've been looking into it and I'm actually stunned at the amount of uh, work that Paizo's went into it, even though each, uh, sort of nation in the Pathfinder 2 rulebook has like five or six paragraphs. There is a a lot more in their various campaigns and adventure paths that you can learn about. And when Pathfinder 1 came out, there was there was a world. Yeah, it was not very developed. But in the years since Pathfinder 1, they've published novels, they've published supplements, and they've really developed this world. Now they've given you a whole section of it in the rulebook, and they've done a really good job of it. Like, I, I I could see myself actually using the world that they've built in a campaign. But I, like Travis said, I always make my own worlds for campaigns. I never use pre-made worlds, sometimes on principle. <laughs> um, and I would also encourage beginning game masters to dip their toe into it once they feel comfortable as well. Just because it's so rewarding to put together a setting yourself. Paizo is also kind enough to send us a copy of the Bestiary, and that's the first two products that are that are coming out. So when I look at the Bestiary, is it pretty much the same as uh, the Bestiary from uh, the first edition as far as attributes and stats and everything? Yes, it'll give you, and if you play Pathfinder 1, the stat block will look very much similar. The only difference that you will see is that for the actions each monster can take, it'll have a new symbol for the actions and I'm sure we'll get we'll get to how actions work very shortly. But 
it it does not look all that much different. It's very familiar. It's very clean. And I'm a big fan of the bestiary. All right. So you mentioned actions. That's probably one of the last things to talk about. So when it's your turn and you get to do something, what's the differences between one and two? This, in terms of actually playing the game, is the biggest difference, in my opinion, from Pathfinder 1 to Pathfinder 2. In Pathfinder 1, the actions that you could take on your turn, known as the action economy, was convoluted. You could take a standard action and a move action. But in addition, there were different things you could do, such as a swift action, which didn't take any of those actions. Some feats gave you a bonus action. A bonus action was essentially a standard action that didn't take up one of your standard actions, but was more than you could do with a swift action. Wow. (laughs) And, And there's more. But in Pathfinder 2, you have three actions on your turn. These three actions can be anything. Attack three times in a row, move three times in a row, attack, move, attack again, move, attack, move again, uh, cast a spell. Some spells need, they have different components, and the more components is the more actions it'll take. Obviously, a spell that takes three actions to cast will have more effect than a spell that has one action to cast. Some spells have more effects if you take more actions to cast them. For other people's turns, just for the whole round of play, you'll get one reaction. Mm. And your one reaction will be something as fighters. When someone moves out of range of a fighter, a fighter will be able to make a free attack against that person. Uh, There's one feat that lets you, as a reaction, put your shield up to get a bonus to your AC and reduce damage a little bit. So they heavily simplified one of the more obtuse portions of actually playing Pathfinder in Pathfinder 2 just by saying there's no longer a bunch of different actions, just you take actions everything is just actions can't tell you how many times in a game one of the players would just ask the innocuous question can i do x in combat that would lead to 30 minutes of pouring through the rule books trying to find <laughs> okay what kind of action is it does it have any effect what's what sort of like this does away with that completely and it makes it so much easier and it makes so much more sense and like travis was saying there were feats that added actions that changed actions that well sitting on this side of the table and i am literally sitting on this side of the table that sounds when you're going over you're sitting on that side of the table. oh that's a good point yeah it's all relative right so when travis when you were going over that explaining of the actions went holy cow i know i've played a a thing of pathfinder before and i do remember it being kind of innocuous was was a good word but now as as a coming from a board gamer perspective i understand it's like you get three actions on your turn and here are the options for your actions and you can duplicate them and there is a whole section under the playing the game portion of the rule book that lists just a bunch of different actions that you can take. And obviously those aren't all the actions you can sure. take, but these are a lot of very good suggestions about things that take a single action to do. Was it D&D or Pathfinder where you had like half actions, like drawing a sword or something like that? And Oh, well, it was. you see, this was weird because you could use a move action to draw a sword, but you could also use a standard action just to drop your sword or a move action to drop your sword. And it, do you, so it's, it's for, example is one of your three actions is something as simple as drawing a sword is that still an action yes drawing a sword is still an action so it is worthwhile to say i enter the abandoned crypt with my sword already drawn <laughs> that's right let me save an action you would have here. to specify these ridiculous things like i don't know it was it was strange and then you had to ready spells too now i love the way the spells sound this spell costs two actions this spell costs one action i love that yeah spells are still done in general like Each level, you'll have spell slots, and each spell slot is a single spell, and how 
you know, classes memorize and how classes prepare spells in the morning are different than each other. But it is, again, very similar overall to Pathfinder 1. Like a wizard in Pathfinder 2 will still have to spend their morning deciding what spells they want to prepare each day, just like in Pathfinder 1. The magic can still be one of the more intimidating portions of an RPG, but I feel like Pathfinder 2 does a good job of easing players into it. All right. Well, I think one other thing that you had mentioned too is that uh, skills have changed somewhat. So they have, and this might sound bad at first, but bear with me, reduced the number of skills your characters have. I like it. Okay. Well, To me, less <laughs> is better sometimes. Uh, in this case, less is probably better. So in Pathfinder 1, skills were things that your character was able to do. Uh, such as use magic device was a skill and it lets you do things like read scrolls, use a wand. But there were some skills such as separate skills included climbing and swimming. This was an interesting choice. Like, sure, there can be a character that excels at climbing and a character that excels at swimming. But unless the class you picked is super climber, honestly, (laughs) the difference in stats between climbing and swimming wouldn't be that much different. And I know D&D 5 did this, but they just lumped that all together into a single athletics skill, Mm -hmm. which is just your overall ability to take athletic checks such as, well, climbing and swimming. swimming. (laughs) There we go. Uh, They also, there were a lot of knowledge checks in Pathfinder 1. There was knowledge arcana, knowledge religion, knowledge dungeoneering, which I'm kind of sad they got rid of dungeoneering. But there's just all sorts of different knowledge. There was knowledge Pathfinder. It got really weird when they started to understand that they were in a role-playing game. But they've reduced those to their own (laughs) skills. Some Some are called lore. They're still like knowledge arcana has been changed to oh just a flat arcana skill Mm -hmm. and a flat nature and medicine and occultism skill the reduced skills there are less on the page but there are no less things that these skills are able to do well no i like that because it's like well i i want to take a check on this and you ask the gm what should that be on and instead of looking through a whole list of skills he can immediately go okay well that's just an arcana check because there have been multiple times as a gm where my player wants to do a check. Oh, I want to do a knowledge blank check. And as a GM, I, I, I it's a struggle because I, I think their character would know about this. Mm-hmm. Like according to their backstory and their experiences, they would know about this, but they don't have that knowledge skill mm-hmm. on their character sheet. So this makes it so much easier for the GM to rationalize and say, okay, yeah, you're going to have to make a, a crafting check on that. Or you're going to have to make a medicine check on that. And one other thing I forgot to mention is how I mentioned I touched on this earlier, but proficiency. So proficiency used to just be your character was able to do something. If you were proficient in a skill, that means you're able to put levels into it and train in it. They changed proficiency into being five different levels of training. This is something that they did add more, but it's actually less, but I'll explain it. Essentially, it means that If your character has zero proficiency in something, if they are not proficient in something, they are untrained. They will add nothing to that. If they are trained, that means they will add a two plus their whole level onto that check. If they're an expert, they'll add four plus their level. And for master and legendary, they'll just keep adding two onto it. So master will be six plus level, legendary is eight plus level. As opposed to Pathfinder 1 super variable, putting in skill ranks and each skill rank will add one to it. This time, whenever you get skill feats, it'll just bump up. I'm no longer trained in athletics. I'm now an expert in athletics. Wow. Okay. A lot has changed. A lot has uh, stayed the same. But 
it sounds like in your opinions, is there any changes that they made that you don't care for? Or it's like, no, I'm really happy with the way they've done all this. It feels streamlined. I'm a big fan of most of the changes. The only change that kind of rubs me the wrong way is that clerics don't get a domain just for free. I don't know why you have to be a cloistered cleric to get that. It just bugs me a little bit, but that's definitely not something that's just going to overall change my opinion of Pathfinder 2. I haven't played the game yet, but reading through the books, uh, there's nothing I have an immediate complaint about. So do you think uh, if somebody was just jumping in to this, that they would find Pathfinder 2 easier than Pathfinder 1? Yes. It's not necessarily an easier game, but it's they definitely made it easier to understand. Gotcha. All right. Well, that compares those two. I think a lot of people want to hear about how does Pathfinder 2 compare to the big boy on the block, Dungeons and Dragons 5th. So let's hop into that. When you play an RPG, don't you want to have some nice terrain pieces on the board? Well, you can find some of those over at the Broken Token, where they have some nice buildings and some little pieces that you can put out in order to enhance your role-playing experience. To find out more, go check out thebrokentoken.com. D&D 5th Edition came out a few years ago, and it has rocked the world. When Stranger Things were showing them playing D&D in the basement, a lot of people got interested. Happy 5th Edition was out at the time. You got the huge success of the YouTube channel, Critical Role, bringing a lot of people into the role-playing world, and they're playing D&D 5. It has gone mainstream. So a lot of people are going to be wondering, well, we know what this Dungeons & Dragons 5th Edition is. But now we got Pathfinder 2nd Edition coming in over here, and people are going to want to compare and contrast the two. Let's start right here, because I'm looking at a physical thing right here. The difference between the first book from D&D, the Player's Handbook, and the core rule book from 2nd Edition is massive in comparison of size. That book is huge for Pathfinder. The first and largest difference is the physical one. The D&D Player's Handbook over there is comes in at 320 pages in length. The Pathfinder 2 core rulebook comes in at 640. Double the size. Literally double. It sounds intimidating. It definitely sounds intimidating. But a lot of the rules in Pathfinder are delegated to a section called playing the game. Most of the book is actually referenced for while you're playing, such as the spells, the equipment, what happens when you level up. But the actual nitty gritty rules for, you know... Exploring the wilderness, fighting monsters, is not that much. The things that you can select for your character and how you build your character is a large portion. There's a chunk of the book that's about the world. There's an introduction. But in terms of the actual playing the game, there isn't much going on to intimidate a new player. D&D 5th edition has somewhat sacrificed, just initially when the book came out, um, somewhat sacrificed a little bit of content. It's focused, it's super focused and streamlined and easy to pick up, but there aren't as many options for your player, for your character. Pathfinder has not done this. <laughs> they have added so many options and so many choices and so much content. Looking over here at the table of contents, I mean, there's a section for spells. There are just so many more spells in this book than there are on the D book, D&D book. It's one of the reasons why it's bigger. There's a, a whole huge section for game mastering that isn't found in the D&D there's book. There's actually a separate book exactly. for the game mastering in D&D. And there's going to be one for Pathfinder also? 
So if you're thinking about a 640 core rulebook and thinking, I'm, I'm not going to do that, that is just too intimidating, don't be intimidated because it, the bulk of the book is just stuff for you to choose to do if you so desire. I will say I love the way the book is laid out because in the right on the right-hand page, in the right-hand column, it shows every section of the book. But then whatever page you're on, it shows that section is highlighted. So you can quickly just thumb through the book. And if you're looking for a particular section, you can find exactly where it starts with having to go to the table of contents. And when it comes to RPG books in particular, the design of the page layout, this is going to sound super nitpicky. I'm sorry. No, no, but this, this is awesome because <laughs> this, it hit it because I love this. Because there's so much information. The design of the page layout is so important when you're first picking up the book because many times that's going to decide if you want to read it or not. If it looks intimidating, if it's just a block of text, you're like, man, I'm not, I don't want this to be a textbook. This book is laid out beautifully in terms of like subdividing the text. There are pictures on almost every page. There's that column. There's a nice border. This is something I really praise the D&D book for because the D&D book is beautiful to look at and Pathfinder's done the same thing with this one. Uh, let's talk about mechanics real quick. It's still based on the D20 system. Uh, D&D still based on the D20. Mm -hmm. When you're actually playing the game, uh, when you make skill checks, it's going to be the same thing. You're going to be rolling a D20. You're going to be uh, adding in some sort of skill. Combat's going to be done the same way. Let's talk about player actions real quick. Pathfinder 2, easy. You got three actions on your turn. What's D&D 5? D&D is... Uh, similar to Pathfinder 1 in that you have your standard action and your move action, but it doesn't clutter itself up with a bunch of really unnecessary actions. Mm -hmm. So it, it still does fall under the, am I able to do this on my turn? Do I have enough time to do this on my turn sort of deal? But it's not anything near as daunting and strange as Pathfinder 1's action system, but not as clear-cut and concise and freeform as Pathfinder's. So it sounds like either way, people can easily pick up either one. I think another intimidating thing when it comes to starting out one of these games is character creation. We've heard all about the character creation for Pathfinder 2. How does it compare in contrast to D&D 5th? From first-hand experience, watching literally completely new RPG players create a D&D &D character and create a Pathfinder 2 character, they did create characters faster in Dungeons & Dragons 5th edition. Okay. I'm assuming that's because there are less options for your character to pick. Like there are, you know, you'll pick an ancestry feat and a class feat. And some of them, such as rogues, have different uh, rackets, as they call them, to pick. Wizards have a school of magic and a thesis to pick. So it, it could boil down to it took longer because of the uh, analysis paralysis that you get. There was a bit of flipping back and forth between books to check skills and such. But in terms of actual numbers, it's not any, it's not mathematically more difficult to make characters in Pathfinder. It takes longer because there's more to pick for your character. It's a good kind of deliberation with Pathfinder because you're sitting there and you really are struggling or thinking like, oh man, these two options that I have to choose from right now are both really good. And it's more than just two options. You know, usually it's three or four and you got to really think about what your character would do narratively, what they would have knowledge of, and then what you as a player want to do when you're playing the game. It, it's just the choices you do have to make in Pathfinder. And there are more of them. This is true. Um, I just feel are, are so much more impactful, especially than they were in Pathfinder one and from D and D fifth edition. One thing that sticks out to me is also is the Pathfinder character sheet for second edition is long. It's four pages. 
The D&D 5th is 3. So not only is the Pathfinder 2 character sheet longer, they also fill up a lot more stuff per page. But again, I'm going to boil that down to there's more for your character to select. Mm. I'm looking at the Dungeons & Dragons character sheet right now. And first page, it condenses things such as your attacks, equipment, your stats, things that you need to know at a glance. Next pages are things like class features, your character's backstory, a place for you to doodle your character. And the, the last sheet is for your spells. For Pathfinder, they gave a lot more per page. They give you a specific spot at the bottom just for your weapon proficiencies. There's a portion for your saving throws, your speed, because speed is now a lot more variable in Pathfinder 2nd Edition in terms of how far your character can move. And then, like, this, the second page is dedicated only to your feats because there are a lot more feats in Pathfinder 2nd Edition than there are in D&D 5th. But the last sheet is still a page exclusively for spells. So if you're not a spellcaster, you don't need this page. And the last page is mostly just a fluff portion. Again, it's another spot for you to doodle your character, the personality, and notes that you're allowed to take or notes that you should be taking during a campaign. Okay, so it sounds like when you're playing the game with either one of these games, you're probably going to be looking at the front page mainly, and that's that's pretty much Unless it. you're a spellcaster, you're just going to be looking at the first page. Okay, all right. So that's character creation. Oh, uh, the character creation, we talked about how you had a couple options with Pathfinder where it's like, here, Here's what you're going, the skills that you're going to take for these classes, or you can randomize. How's D&D? D&D has the same point by system and randomization, but it doesn't have the uh, static ability boosts and flaws as they call it in Pathfinder 2. So it's more like the point by system in Pathfinder 1. In D&D 5, they recommend you roll for stats. Oh, okay, roll dice to roll, stats. Roll for stats. Character progression. Is that somewhat the same too when you level up the things that you get? This is something... That I spent a lot of time reading like uh, the blogs on the Paizo website about what they're doing for Pathfinder 2. And one thing I have noticed that they're doing that I like is that they I like to play Baldur's Gate. I think it's a really fun game. And video it, game. Video game. It mm-hmm. is a video game based off of Advanced Dungeons and Dragons. That's being re-released for the Switch. That's being re-released for the Switch. And there's a lot what people call dead levels, meaning a lot of times a fighter, he would level up. It'd be easier for him to punch stuff. And then he could take more punches before he dies. That's incredibly boring. (laughs) Pathfinder has been, Pathfinder 2 has been trying to seriously cut back on dead levels, so to speak. Meaning that when you level up, you don't just bump up a couple of numbers and that's it. They want, they want you. They want levels to mean something. They want levels to mean something. I am currently looking at the alchemist advancement. Every single level you decide something for your character. Mm-hmm. And I love that, by the way. I love the thought of leveling up and not just seeing your numbers go up, but getting to add something as well. Add a new ability, add a new spell, do something different than you could before. Because a level up is a benchmark. Mm-hmm. It's something that your character has learned how to do that has made him better, him or her better at what they do. And Pathfinder 2, from what I'm reading here in the rule book, has done a great job of doing that. It makes leveling up so much more interesting. Sounds like you have some cool decisions to make when you level up. Exactly. New abilities, new feats. And once again, feats are now a little a little more interesting than they were before. So now it, you really have some choices to make when you level up as your character grows and changes. So I looked at Alchemist, which was a bad comparison since there's no Alchemist in Dungeons & Dragons 5. So I decided to look at what many people consider to be the most boring class, the fighter. <laughs> 
<laughs> I apologize to all fighter I, fans. I out apologize there. to all the fighter fans. <laughs> to all the fighters out there, we appreciate you. We we love having you in the party. Thank you for taking all the damage. But, Thank you for tanking for the party. But there are levels in uh, D&D 5 where you don't really get to make a choice. You get to improve your ability score and then get an extra attack and then keep improving your ability scores. But in, in Pathfinder, you are getting, let me just making sure, you are getting a feat every single level. Wow. It could be a fighter feat, a skill feat, or a general feat, but every level you're getting a new feat. Just right there, those are more decisions you can make. And I was looking at a Druid, and it looks like we're Druids in Dungeons & Dragons 5th edition. Levels where they... uh can get spells at the next level of spells. They don't get really a decision to make beyond what spells they want to pick. But in Pathfinder, whenever they are able to get another spell level and take higher level spells, they are still able to get feats. They're still able to pick ability boosts. They're still able to get stuff in addition, more choices in addition to just picking out your spells. When you're a game master, you... Want your players to want to continue playing to continue seeing the story that you've laid out for them. You want them to be interested in what you're telling them and the narrative their characters are going through. And you want that to be the reason why they keep coming back to the table to play every week or every month or whatever. This isn't always the case. Sometimes the players look at their character sheets and are like, I want the number in the level box to go up. And like, mm-hmm. that's what, that's what they're, that's what they, they really want. What they want to get to that next level. They want, and for a player who, who is excited for that, it's demoralizing to look at what's coming up for you at third or fourth level and see that it's nothing and see that you're just going to boost your stats and that's it. Mm-hmm. So uh, to do it this way, I feel like if you, especially if you're new to RPGs, because the concept of leveling up is crucial to the RPG experience. Like the, the original D and D RPGs created that concept. That's now ubiquitous through video games and RPGs. And everyone knows the idea of, leveling up mm-hmm. so that's when you come to the table that's something you're expecting to be a big deal when you level up to get new stuff to get new abilities to get better at what you do and pathfinder 2 has really made that a better experience and a more rewarding experience well yeah because i think most people when they play you're, you're going to kind of look ahead well i'm two now and you flip mm-hmm. the page mm-hmm. what do i get at three I, I, and it's it, like i want to play because I know as a GM, you want to the experience, but I tell you, sometimes as a player, like I am in a video game, sometimes I just want to grind. It's like, I want to get to that next level. I want to yeah. play. I want to grind to get XP because I want that next thing. Yeah, the grind is addictive and Pathfinder feeds your addiction. I don't know what to tell you. Like at Pathfinder 2nd Edition, no, you want stuff, we'll give you stuff. There's content. There's content all through. One thing, big thing that uh, D&D added that people... I don't know if they, they love or dislike or not, but it's there. The advantage-disadvantage concept. Did Pathfinder add anything like that? Nope. <laughs> okay, we can move on. So there are there are some... Actually, now that I think about it, I think it was an enemy in Pathfinder 1 that forces all players to roll two dice and always take the worst. Mm-hmm. But I haven't seen anything like that in Pathfinder 2. They still like saying, you add plus two to your attack roll because of this, such as flat-footed. When you're flat-footed in Pathfinder, what that means is you get a minus two to your AC. Not attack rolls against you get an advantage, but you yourself have a numeric disadvantage. Now, when comparing the two, think of this question because you mentioned Baldur's Gate earlier. Because of video games and books and everything, 
there is a rich history in the Dungeons and Dragons universe with all these worlds that they've created and Baldur's Gate, Neverwinter Nights, etc. If you're coming into this and you're looking at both, typically people, especially if they play video games, are going to recognize D&D quicker than they probably would Pathfinder. I mean, that's probably a safe assumption. Well, even just in general, most people know what Dungeons and Dragons is and most people don't know what Pathfinder is. Dungeons and Dragons has been around since the 70s, Pathfinder since 2008. So and and I'm and it's if you've never played an RPG before you're going to know the name Dungeons and Dragons you won't know the name Pathfinder and I have committed the sin of telling my party they were playing Dungeons and Dragons when they were actually playing Pathfinder because <laughs> because I, I because I don't know if they would have come to the table if I would have said Pat they would have been like well I don't know what that is so that I have done that in order to introduce players to a game and then eventually somewhere along the line I was like, oh by the way this isn't even D and D at all. This is Pathfinder. Yeah, I have done the exact same thing. I say, hey, we're going to play Dungeons and Dragons. And now, most of the time, I'll be like, you know, it's like someone will say, what do you like to do? And I say, I'd like to play Dungeons and Dragons, even though I mean an RPG in general. But if I say, yeah, I enjoy playing tabletop RPGs, that's kind of like, 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 what is that? But if you say, I like playing Dungeons and Dragons, people it's automatically almost, know what you mean. It's almost like Kleenex. At some point, <laughs> I, I got tired of going through this, uh, oh yeah, I play table. I play role-playing games. And they're like, what's that? And I go, you know, like Dungeons and Dragons? You, know, you ever heard of that? Like, <laughs> yeah, that, that, That's true. So if you're coming into this and, and it's like one will may appeal over the other just on name recognition alone. That's, that's what Dungeons and Dragons has a lot going for it. It is almost pushing 50 years old, 45 to, you know, pushing 45, 50 years old. And so there is a lot of name uh, recognition behind it, but uh, it sounds like there's a lot of really cool and different things. This in Pathfinder that is Travis as you and your friends do. You play two different systems. There's no reason why you got to stick with one. There is absolutely no reason to only play one system ever. If you play one system, you're going to burn out. If you rotate your systems around, you're going to, a, tell different stories, have different moments, experience different sorts of gameplay, because a lot of people don't know that there's RPGs out there that don't use D20s. We actually talked about one. Remember, we, we all reviewed here a couple episodes ago. Yeah, Shadowrun. Shadowrun. Shadowrun is completely there for the Dungeons & Dragons. No D20s. It's set in the future. There's just so much different about it, and it, it would greatly behoove most people who have only played one system to go around and play as many systems as you can brand loyalty to rpgs is just dumb it's dumb because oh, you're missing interesting. you're missing that's out. the quote i'm going to put out for this episode brand loyalty to rpgs is just and then in big bold letters dumb, dumb. it is a dumb <laughs> dumb move for sure you got bozo brain if you're over here wow. like i will only ever play because you're missing out on so much if you're like i'm only ever going to play D and nothing else you're missing out if i'm only going to ever play pathfinder and nothing else you're missing out because there's I, I, like I said, variety is healthy and no one ever said you had to only play one. Like you don't have to commit. It's you can multi-class RPGs. All right. You can multi-class wow, that's, RPGs. That's deep. And even if you go play another system, it's not like you have completely abandoned an old system. Mm-mm. You know, even though I took a break from Pathfinder for a little bit to play D&D fifth and a little bit of Delta Green, I still considered Pathfinder my favorite. Like there's never time where I was like having a crisis. I was just like, whoa, do I not like Pathfinder anymore? I just, I always like Pathfinder and I enjoyed the other RPGs that I was playing at the time. 
If you've listened to classic rock music your whole life and you listen to a single hip hop song, you don't have to stop listening to classic rock. You're not like, it's, uh, we've made like three metaphors now, I guess. So I guess we could give it a break. (laughs) But all these is going, okay, it's it's, it's a point, it's a point we want to make because Sometimes I see contention between D and D and Pathfinder, and people people really love, a little bit. Oh yeah, I see contention. People love tribalism, right? They love separating themselves into factions, but that's just unnecessary here because there's so much to offer from every single system. I don't think I've ever actually played an RPG system, or I have played RPG <laughs> systems that I didn't like. <laughs> Correction. <laughs> I, I for the record, I'm I'm not a big fan of Fiasco, but. <laughs> But most RPGs I have enjoyed. I enjoy D&D 5th Edition. I enjoy Shadowrun. I enjoy Delta Green. I enjoy Call of Cthulhu. I enjoy Pathfinder. I enjoy... Warhammer Fantasy. I enjoy Warhammer Fantasy. Which we played recently. Iron Kingdoms. Iron Kingdoms. I'm trying to think of other stuff I played. Vampire. There's just so much out there that's good. And so many people are missing out on it. And each one of those systems offers such a different experience. Well, this sounds like a perfect transition to go ahead and get to our conclusions so that we can talk to... People who maybe are already experienced RPG players who have never played RPGs. And let's get some recommendations based on Pathfinder 2.0. We have covered a lot of content in the past hour when it comes to Pathfinder 2.0 and history of Pathfinder, comparing it to other systems. But now let's get here into the end and let's talk about a couple different groups of people that may be listening to this episode and let's start with those who have never, ever played an RPG. And they've just listened to all these comparisons between Pathfinder 2.0, Dungeons & Dragons 5.0. And let's say, guys, you are sitting in a store and a person walks in and asks you, look, I'm new to this. I see these two relatively new systems. I know they're pretty popular. What do you recommend? I'm going to stop you right there because it's impossible to answer that question. And this is why. Because... I'm going to repeat myself again. It all comes down to preference. And when you're looking at D&D 5th and you're looking at Pathfinder 2nd, there is no better one to start with between the two. They are both perfect intro RPGs in different ways. And I'm sure Travis will, will reiterate some of my points here. D&D 5th is, I'm not going to call it bare bones because it's not. It has, some, it has some meat on its bones. It has some meat. It's got girth. Yeah, it's got, it's got some girth. <laughs> um... <laughs> But it does get to the point super fast. It gets you to the table and it gets you playing quicker and into it so you can just dive right into it. It is a lightning strike into the world of RPGs. Pathfinder is a little more meandering. It's a little slower for people. Maybe if you've got a little more patience, but you really want want to take advantage of that content and those customization options that Pathfinder offers, you can do that. You can take your time making your character, maybe take a whole session for the party to make their characters and then you can kind of go in and then get into a little bit it's a slower buildup, but once it gets accelerating it really accelerates if i was in a game store and someone walked up to me and told me that they were either going to get pathfinder 2 or dnd 5th i am gonna to have to agree it's depending on what they want if they do want to just they want to get in right now they just they just want to play they want to sit down they want to play they want to play an rpg Pick D&D 5th edition. There is so much for you to just sit down, make a character, and get going. Pathfinder is more of an investment. It, it is a longer book you're going to have to read. It's more options you're going to have to look over. It'll be a little more. It's slightly more daunting, but it's not a more, it's not harder to learn. Even though the, the actual rules themselves 
aren't like easier or harder than each other. They're both great in their own way. It's just the, you know, the options and the customization of Pathfinder is is a little intimidating. And I would say if you are, if they're the GM, if your players are willing to read over the options and read over everything Pathfinder has to choose, then I'd recommend going with Pathfinder. But if your players are more looking to just, they're ready to sit down, they want to go into a dungeon, they want to get treasure, it would probably be better for them to just get Dungeons and Dragons. This is one of the bottom lines, I think, when it comes to D&D versus Pathfinder. And let me know if you agree with me on this. D&D 5th edition excels in one-off scenarios, single session sort of stories where you can just get down, play it, have a good time, laugh with your friends. Pathfinder is built for the long campaign. It's built for that character progression because it's so rewarding to level up. It's built to build your character up slowly to tell those long stories and to really invest a lot of time into this game. I am going to have to agree. I think there is one issue that I have with D&D 5 is characters can be a tad samey, such as fighters, such as if you're a wizard, you'll pick your school and in D&D 5th, if you're a sorcerer, you'll pick your sorcerer's origin, draconic bloodline, or wild magic. If you're just getting the core rulebook, there's only two kinds of sorcerers you can make, a wild magic or draconic bloodline. But in Pathfinder, Pathfinder, let's let's take a gander here. Oh, look at that. I flipped right to it. Wow. What are the odds of that in a 600-page book? So for reference, in D&D, you get wild magic and draconic bloodline. In Pathfinder, it's all bloodlines, but you get aberrant, angelic, demonic, diabolic, draconic, elemental, fey, hag, imperial, and undead. Those are the various bloodlines and which decides your spells, bonus spells, special skills that your sorcerer can do. That's not even including the feats you take at first level. There is just so much to Pathfinder. Like characters are so rich in Pathfinder that if you take the time to read over, plan out what you want to do, you will be heavily rewarded. And another thing to go off those sorcerers, in D&D 5th, those two sorcerer origins take from the same spell pool. There are four different spell pools that you could possibly choose from with the sorcerer bloodlines in Pathfinder. So that's just that's just a really good example of the key differences between these two games in terms of options. We should put take. that in the last segment. We should have, but you know what? You know what? Oh, it's a drop. It's all right. Let me ask you this. Are they both... Uh, there's a term, and if you've never heard it before, if you're listening, uh, uh, called crunchy, where crunchy is dealing with a lot of numbers and a lot of math and, and dice rolls. Crunchiness, are they about equal to each other? As a new player coming in, would you say, if you've never played RPGs, put those two down I recommend this one over here instead and eventually work your way to this one. Pathfinder 2 is more crunchy than D&D 5th. Like one of the complaints they had about that people had about Pathfinder 1 and the, why they like the advantage system is that they're talking about like there'd be bonuses coming from six different spots and you'd have to see like what kind of bonus it is, see if they stack. But there's not much of that in Pathfinder. When you are trained in something, you're going to be like, okay, two plus my level, plus my modifier, and that's my number. It's plus six. And then from now on, you roll, and you'll just add your plus six. The The crunch is just an extra add plus three, or another add plus two, minus one, whatever, to your existing modifiers. So it is slightly, it is more crunchy than D&D 5th. Let me tell you what I would do if I was a GM, and I had a party approach me 
and they said, we've never played an RPG before. Baby us. Mm-hmm. Please like baby us and tell us what to do. What I would do is I would sit them down with D&D 5th, have them make a character and play a one-off scenario. And if they liked it, then I would actually switch to Pathfinder to do a longer campaign with them. Even if somebody's never played, you don't think either one of these are too intimidating and they should even back down to, like a, you said, you didn't like Fiasco, but Fiasco is one of those games that's lots of times introduced to somebody who's never played before. Well, Fiasco is a good way to introduce role playing, actually okay. pretending to be a character. There is no math in Fiasco beyond the rolling the white and black die and adding or subtracting that. But right. there's no difficult math, yeah, no, honestly. Yeah. No, I, I agree. I just wanted to, to, to bring that up. I mean- Sure, you will need the quadratic equation occasionally. Well, of course, I mean, yeah, but, but who doesn't have that memorized? And I mean, honestly, if you can't, you know, subdivide the square root of 326. Right. Exactly. It's, it's, then why are you even playing real quick? I agree. If, if you're like me, you have, I'm looking at the poster of Pascal's Triangle of Binomial Expansion. Sure, right. I mean, if you don't have eigenvalues constantly running through your head, I mean, I mean, I, why would you even think about playing on, a game? Come on. But in all honesty, it's, <laughs> it's, it's not bad. <laughs> All right, let's go to the other extreme. You've got somebody comes into you and said, man, look, I have 15 years of experience playing RPGs. I've been playing tons of fifth edition. Here's second edition. Oh, no. Should I give this bad boy a shot? Yes, yes. A thousand times. Yes. Yeah. If you're a veteran coming from fifth edition, I I can only see you loving Pathfinder even more because it just gives you so much more that it offers to the veteran than it does to the newcomer. And since Pathfinder is heavily based off of Dungeons and Dragons, you could see it as it is essentially an evolution of Dungeons and Dragons. So you can appreciate more of the choices that they that Paizo made when making Pathfinder and appreciate just the game more. This discussion has been amazing. And and I've been kind of I wanted to position myself as the as the audience to Two guys who play a lot of RPGs, and and for those out there, these guys have played a lot of RPGs. When Adam was in college, I believe he had like a weekly group that we played. Did. We did. Travis is now kind of in that situation. You guys are playing almost like twice a week now. We're trying. I'm jealous. <laughs> and then uh, he's going to be moving to an apartment when he goes back to college with three of these guys, and they'll just be RPGing constantly. And so, so I know these guys have a lot of experience. That's why I wanted to bring them on and just get their opinions. But after hearing your explanation of Pathfinder 2.0, you know what sold me on this is the whole discussion about when you level up and you get something every level. There's a part of my brain that just went, click, I want to do that. As opposed to, because I've played D&D and I've done the thing well Oh, oh, well, on this level, sure, I'm going to get a little bit better here. But man, like two levels from now, I'm going to get that. And to be able to say that, oh, well, no, next level, I could get this in Pathfinder 2.0. It takes me back to the you know MMO days of me playing Guild Wars or World of Warcraft. It's like, oh, boy, I know I get my mount at level 40. Let's go, baby, sort of deal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And I guess the last thing I'd like to say that I want to leave the audience with is the reason why I prefer Pathfinder to D&D. This is something we haven't talked about yet, except for the very beginning. And um, that is those books on the shelf over there. This book is going to come out at Gen Con this year, and you can bet that next year Paizo is coming out with another book, maybe even two between now and then. Like they, They're going to be, they put out books like crazy. They did with Pathfinder 1. I can only assume they will with this too. D&D 5th edition is kind of drip fed, honestly. Like There have been how many source books since D&D 5th came out? There's Xanthar's. There was Mordenkainz. There was the various bestiaries, the Dungeon Master's Guide. I know I'm missing Volathamp. 
Um, this is off the top of his head, people. There's no editing here. <laughs> the, those are the ones I can name for D&D. Oh, the Ravnica guy. And it's been out for four years, five years. But at any rate, I just love the amount of content that continues to come out of Pathfinder. So if you're looking for a long-term RPG investment, I would argue that Pathfinder is a little better because you're going to get more stuff more often. Uh, before I forget, it is worth noting, Wizards of the Coast, who publishes Dungeons & Dragons has two games, Dungeons & Dragons and Magic the Gathering. Mm-hmm. Their resources are split between both of these games. Even though Paizo also has their game Starfinder, Paizo is all Pathfinder. Paizo is 100% Pathfinder. They have monthly uh, scenarios being released. They have multiple hardcover... I know Dungeons & Dragons has this as well. They have multiple hardcover adventures that could span years. They have so many source books. They have everything online. They allow third parties to make their own content for the game. Paizo is just so all-in on Pathfinder that they can keep adding constant content and constant things for you to play with. One thing that Pathfinder does need, and I'm assuming, and you know what you do when you assume... A starter box. I got to give D&D credit. They do have the nice red box, the essential starters kit that just came out of Target, which is really nice. You got to think Paizo has that in the pipeline somewhere because every good RPG has that $20 to $30 starter box that you can put in front of somebody here, play our game. They definitely will do that. Definitely. And the, the basic rules you need to play are small enough where they could absolutely include that in a, in a small little booklet that comes with a starter set. Travis Adamant said Pathfinder is his system of choice. Fanboy now, if you want. We tried to be, <laughs> we've tried to be as objective as possible. Now you can say whatever you want about this system. This is, this is your time to say 2.0, better than 1.0. Eh, I don't like it as much. Give me your honest thoughts. All right. So yeah, full disclosure, Pathfinder 1 is my favorite RPG system of all time. And Pathfinder 2 is... Here's the thing. I haven't played Pathfinder 2 much. We have had the book not long. I have played, technically, only one session of actual Pathfinder 2nd Edition. I cannot find myself to not play this game. So I you want can to play find path- yourself I can this game. Find, I can play this game. I want to play this game. I want to play this game a bunch. They added so many avenues for expansion. There is so much that Paizo is able to do. So much area that Paizo is able to retread and fix with fix things from Pathfinder 1st Edition. Because Pathfinder 1st Edition was filling in the gap that D&D left. They filled in to 3.5 position and that's one of the biggest problems with the game it was dnd 3.5 even though they added stuff to make it pathfinder it was dnd 3.5 3.75 whatever you want to call it pathfinder 2 is pathfinder it is now its own thing with its own rules its own world its own feats its own actions its own everything paizo i can see influences from starfinder on pathfinder 2 Pathfinder 2 is separating itself from its early 2000s D&D origin and it is going on and it is evolving. It is developing itself into its own thing. This is Pathfinder. This is their vision for Pathfinder and nobody knows Pathfinder like Paizo does. I think that they're going to support this for a long time. I fully believe Paizo has the player's best interests at hearts. They have things in the works and they are ready to support Pathfinder. I just got to get playing this game soon. That's all there is to it. I, I've, I'm, I'm deprived. 
<laughs> I, and I, I just really want to dive into do a whole campaign with this because it, like Travis said, this is it's really its own thing now. It's evolved. It feels like a perfected form of Pathfinder. It's like now that this is out, now that we're looking at it, I can't help but feel like Pathfinder One was almost like a prototype for this game. Like it was, Paizo is coming into their own, and they are, like Travis said, they're ready to support this for a long time. So I think if you're looking to invest in a role playing game. Long term, Pathfinder is the one to do it. And I know we should have put this under the D&D 5 Pathfinder comparison, but I'm not very happy with the D&D player's handbook cover. <laughs> this, this is this, this obviously has no impact on how you play the game this, at all. This is just a personal gripe, but the D&D ha- cover neither has a dragon nor a dungeon. <laughs> The Pathfinder cover has both a dragon <laughs> and a dungeon. And and there's the the D&D book it, no, don't get me wrong. It's a very well drawn picture. There's just nothing that no, grabs you. Nothing that grabs me. Like it's it's pretty mono monotone or monochrome. It's mostly reds. There's a little bit of blue. There's grays. In Pathfinder, there is the bright red dragonfire compared against the dark gray stone. There's the characters who has you know bright red hair, white hair. The she's wearing bright blue. There's just so much happening. It's more it's more exciting, and there are more characters. They have varied emotions. It just it feels more energetic to me also i love you wayne Reynolds. join us next week for our three-hour discussion on rpg art <laughs> and i assume i assume Wayne Reynolds. wayne reynolds is an artist he's an artist he did a lot of the covers for pathfinder one he's doing stuff for pathfinder two and even though there are many many talented artists who have have done art for pathfinder i have just always conflated pathfinder with Wayne Reynolds, with Wayne Reynolds, Wayne Reynolds, Wayne Reynolds, with Wayne Reynolds, and uh, and I love his art and magic. I love drawing his cards just because, it, even though you know, even though it's Wizards of the Coast, it feels like Pathfinder because <laughs> his art just feels like Pathfinder to me. There we go. The in-depth look at Pathfinder 2.0. We were we were expecting about 30 to 45 minutes at first. I knew once you guys got going that, that, that you would get into it. No, there's a lot here. And uh, there's a lot here to, to dive into, but it's a big release. You got to figure that this second edition is going to be around 8 to 10 years, I would think. I mean, or, that's or how longer. long Pathfinder 1 lasted. And this is a great jumping in point. You know, if, if, you, if you missed Pathfinder 1, it is true. When you look at all the stuff, the books they have for Pathfinder, it's intimidating to go, which one do I start with? Where do I, after the first book, where do I go? Now's the time. It's like a new game system. It's like when a new CCG, a new card system comes out. Get in now because it's easier to keep up with it. And it's the same way. Guys, thank you for coming on. That was, that was an amazing experience. If you have any comments or anything that uh, if you've played or are interested in Pathfinder, make sure to go to our BGG Guild 1589. Uh, leave us a comment, let you know what uh, what we think about this. And there's only one thing left to say. Keep, keep rolling dice. dice. And taking names. This episode has got me super excited about playing the RPG with our Pod Pledge backers. And it's still not too late. If you would like to get in and back our Pod Pledge campaign where you can come and join us for a live RPG, you still can you can come and get some super nice swag like the squeezable acorn the lapel pin or if you want you can just join our slack channel so you can do all that over at podpledge.com this episode is brought to you by dollar shave club <laughs> i wish see if you can stay together keep rolling dice keep rolling keep uh, 
Say what are you doing? Same time. Keep, keep, keep rolling. Down. Okay, no, no, we need a countdown. You can't just start saying it. One, two, three. Wow, and Tony makes this part look easy. So after hearing a whole episode on Pathfinder 2.0, would you like your own copy? If so, go order it from miniaturemarket.com where they have it and the bestiary for a discounted price. Go check them out for their Pathfinder books and all your other RPG supplies at miniaturemarket.com.